we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me into the book of Psalms this evening, and we'll look at Psalm 100. I shared this thought with our uh, high school students. Our theme uh, for our school this month is thankfulness, and we've identified 10 foundational truths, principles, Uh, that we want to emphasize to our kids in our Christian school. And uh, thankfulness is our theme for the month of November. I think many of you can figure out why we selected November uh, for uh, that theme of thankfulness. And I want to share some things with you uh, this, this evening. As we come to the Lord's table, it is a table of gratitude, is it not? It is a table that we come to with gratefulness in our hearts that we have a place at the table, that we can come into fellowship with the Father and the Son at his table, and we are partakers of his divine nature. And I hope that we will reflect on that all through the week. Psalm 100, we'll begin reading in verse 1, of course. We'll read all five verses in the psalm. I'll ask you to repeat with me a phrase in verse 4 after we've read all five verses. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations." I want you to notice this phrase we find in verse number four. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I want to invite you to say the next four words with me. Are you ready? Be thankful unto him. Let's say those words again. Be thankful unto him. The title of the message this evening is just simply two words, be thankful. Be thankful. And who are we to be thankful to? We're to be thankful unto him, unto the Lord, for his blessings. Gratitude is something that we find in the scripture many, many times. It is an attitude that we must cultivate. Uh, The temptation of uh, of a sinful soul is to murmur and complain We have a tendency to see the things that are wrong and not the things that are right. We have a tendency to talk about the things that are wrong and not to talk about the things that are right. 
we talk about the problems and we fail to talk about the blessings. I know that's been true in my own life. Uh, and therefore, we need to be reminded that we're to work at being thankful. This is a command, be thankful. It is a command that we are to obey. And that means we have to make a choice in every situation to give thanks unto God. Now, in this psalm, we find two particular reasons that we should be thankful unto him. We see the first in verse number three. We should be thankful because he is God. Would you write that down? We should be thankful because he is God. I'm glad that I have, uh, I have been raised in a, in a family where Christ was magnified and glorified, where the Bible uh, was an emphasis, and where I, I was taught to attend church. I'm privileged. There are literally billions of people around the world, billions, who never have had that opportunity. Over a billion souls in uh, India. And uh, they have many gods, many gods that they have imagined in their minds. Over a billion souls in China and they worship the government. That's what they're taught to worship. They are, 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 are taught to express their loyalty uh, to their leader. But their government does nothing for them but oppress them. We serve a God who loves us. We have a Savior who does not tell us that we must do certain things to earn favor with him. He automatically grants us his favor and offers salvation to us if we will receive him, if we will believe on him. He doesn't ask us to do anything to obtain salvation. No, he came and paid the price for us. He is God, and I'm so glad he is. He is God. Oh, we should be thankful for who he is. Know ye, verse 3, that the Lord, he is God. Notice this, please. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We should be thankful that he is God because he is our creator. He made us. We didn't make ourselves. <laughs> we live in a nation that uh, advances uh, the, the thought of a self-made man. Well, there is no such thing as a self-made man. And none of us had one thing to do with being here. The only reason we're here is because God made us. The only reason that you and I can, can breathe in the next moment, if God allows us to do it, is because all things were created by him and by him all things consist. If he takes his hand off this universe, it'll crumble in just a moment. Everything will fall into chaos and disarray. If he takes his hand off of us, we won't be able to draw the next breath. Our life is a gift from God. 
He is our creator. He is our maker. We live in a world, as I said, that advances the cause of the self-made man. In fact, man has advanced to such degree now in this uh, century that man uh, believes that man knows best about where man came from. Well, that makes total sense, doesn't it? And in the effort to deny that God exists, man has conjured up many ideas that sometime billions and billions of years ago, some rocks that were somehow floating in space, no explanation of how they got there, by the way, collided and exploded. And out of chaos came order. I said to some students at Calvary Christian School in King the other day, I said, imagine if a, if a, uh, uh, a truck full of building materials was going down the road and, and collided with a, a, a truckload, uh, a guy with a dump truck full of gravel. Maybe a concrete truck coming down the road and all of a sudden there was a, a massive collision. The lumber on, on, the, on the building materials truck and, and the concrete uh, in, in the concrete truck and, and there's a massive collision and a big explosion. And then all of a sudden, right here on 29th Avenue Drive is this beautiful building. You say, Pastor, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I agree with you, it is. And to think that this complex universe and the complexity of human life and animal life and all that God has made just so happened to come into existence because something that we can't explain blew up billions of years ago. What a foolish thought. The pride of man. That's really what causes man not to be thankful. Their pride. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. If you can draw a breath of air, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath do what? Praise the Lord. So breathe in. Isn't that good? And those of you who have had shortness of breath or some uh, calamity physically and, 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 and been unable to draw breath, you know how precious breath is. And we ought to thank God for it. We ought to be thankful that he is God. He is our creator. He made all things good. Well, how do we get in the shape that we're in? Because man rebelled against God and man sinned. That leads us to another reason that we should be thankful. Look again in verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Would you notice this phrase, please? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It just gets better and better, doesn't it? Every person in this world is here because God created them. Eight billion people on this planet. But not all eight billion of them, though he made them, are his people. <laughs> Only the ones who Christ has saved who have responded to his offer of salvation have become his people. You see, we should be thankful unto him because he is God, he is our creator, but he is our redeemer. We were strangers and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were without God and without Christ and without hope in this world, condemned and on our way to hell 
in the bondage of our sin and our iniquity. We were not the people of God. But if we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are now a part of the family of God. We are fellow citizens and we are heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ. Praise be unto God for that. We are a part of the family of God. It's a precious thing to be a part of a family, isn't it? And we belong to him. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is our father. Jesus is our savior. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Because we belong to him, he has promised to take care of us and to lead us. David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're not left here to wander aimlessly through life, to try to figure this thing out, to try to make our own way. No, the Lord Jesus Christ came. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And as the psalmist said, I shall not want. There's nothing I need that I don't have. Why? Because I know the shepherd. I am part of the sheep of his pasture. I am in the family of God. So I can be thankful to him this evening because he is God. He is my creator and he's my redeemer. Thanks be unto God. So when you draw that breath... Thank him. When you're with your family, thank him. Yes, there are burdens. Yes, there are trials and afflictions. Yes, there are lots of things wrong in this world. But let's be thankful unto God. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He has made us a part of the family of God. Let's be thankful for one another. Let's not take one another for granted. Yes, there are times when people are in disagreement and times of conflict and times of misunderstanding and, and times in families where, where there are struggles and difficulties. But let's be thankful to be a part of the family of God. He is God. But then in verse 5, we find another reason to be thankful. Not only is he God, but our God is good. Our God is good. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? As I said a moment ago, he's not some oppressive God that just demands that we do and do and do for him. No, he is the God who left heaven and became a man and took upon himself the form of a servant and served humanity by giving his life for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I want you to know that he is a good God. And we should be thankful for that. Do bad things happen? Yes. Does God allow those things to happen? Yes. But we can have confidence in his goodness. We have confidence in his judgment. We have confidence in his promises. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So God uses the things that we would consider good and the things that we would consider bad. God uses all of those things and all of those circumstances and all of the trials that we face. God uses them for good because God is good. 
Now note what we find about him. His mercy is everlasting. What do sinners deserve? Judgment. They deserve hell. His mercy, though, is everlasting. And God grants mercy to those who are undeserving. That's all of us. Mercy is withholding the judgment that we deserve. And God withholds that judgment to us in an effort to bring us to himself. The Lord is merciful. His mercy is everlasting. It endures, as the Bible says, to all generations. The prophet said his mercies fail not. They are new every morning. In one of the great Psalms of David, he wrote concerning the mercy of God. And every other verse in that Psalm tells us that his mercy endures forever. As you grow older and as you become more aware of the depravity of your own sin nature, as you recognize the effects of sin on humanity and your own mind and your attitudes, you become, I believe, more and more thankful for the mercies of God. His mercy is everlasting. God never runs out of mercy. And his truth, thank God for his truth, it endureth to all generations. We have the truth of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He spun the first lie in the Garden of Gethsemane, or excuse me, the Garden of Eden, and he's been spinning his lies ever since. Our world is so mixed up now, people don't know the lies from the truth. In fact, people who know Christ oftentimes can be deceived. The Bible tells us that at the end, the deception in this world will be so strong that if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. There's a spirit of lying and deception in this world. Where do we find the answers? We find them in the word of God. We find them in the truth of God's word. So we can be thankful unto God because he is God. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. He is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? Well, as a result of that, the Bible tells us to be thankful. And I just want to give you very quickly four thoughts about gratitude that come to us from the word of God. The first we find in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. Would you turn there with me? Ephesians 5 and verse number 20. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to them about walking in the spirit, walking worthy of the vocation that they have been called by God to work or to walk in. The difference, the characteristic of a believer versus the characteristic of a lost person. How should we live our lives? By the way, we should be different, right? Because God lives within us. 
The Holy Spirit lives within us. In Ephesians 5 and verse 20, this is what the Bible says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me explain something to you about gratitude. It expresses faith in God. That's the first thing I want to share with you. It expresses faith in God. When I thank the Lord, when I have a spirit, an attitude of gratitude, and I express my thankfulness to God, I am expressing faith in him. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. Well, it's easy to give thanks to God for the good things or the things that we would consider to be good, right? Uh, you got a $100 rebate from your insurance company. That's something easy to be thankful for. And by the way, if you did get a $100 rebate from your insurance company, would you share with me the name of your insurance agent? Somebody gave you something, a gift, a gift card. It's easy to be thankful for that, but it's not easy to be thankful for the disappointing things that come to us. But the Word of God tells us to give thanks always for all things. And as I, I quoted a minute ago, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has called us. He has a purpose in our lives. He is going to complete that purpose. We can trust him and we can rest uh, and, and be thankful for the things that we would call good and also for the things that we call bad. Gratitude expresses faith in God. So if we are people of faith, then a characteristic that will prove that is our gratitude, our thankfulness. Number two, go with me if you would please to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I'm going to give you a second thing that we find here, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Paul says this as he closes his epistle to the uh, church at Thessalonia. He says, in everything, give thanks. Well, we talked about that, the good and the bad. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Gratitude fulfills the will of God. That's number two. Gratitude fulfills the will of God. We see that gratitude expresses faith in God, but gratitude fulfills the will of God. Are you someone who wants to do the will of God? Uh, oftentimes people will say, I, I, I wish I knew God's will, or I, I just want to do God's will for my life. Well, there are certain things that the Bible clearly lays out for us that are the revealed will of God. Most of the time when people talk about the will of God for their life, they're talking about a specific plan that God may have for them, uh, a specific function that he may have for them. That's the uh, unrevealed as of that point. It's unrevealed to them. They're hoping that God will reveal it. But oftentimes people want the unrevealed will of God without being obedient to the revealed will of God. And I would submit to you that if God can't trust us to do what he has revealed as his will, why should he trust us to do what is unrevealed? So he tells us that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us that we would be thankful. There are times when he calls upon us to suffer and endure persecutions and afflictions. 
and for no good reason, humanly speaking. And he tells us that this is thankworthy. This is something that we ought to to accept and be thankful for, that God has chosen us or allowed us to suffer so that he might accomplish his purpose in our life. And so when we express our thanksgiving to God, we are fulfilling the will of God. Number three, if you'll go with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. We find out something else about gratitude. Philippians 4 verse 6, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried. Man, we live in a world full of care and anxiety, don't we? We get anxious. But the Bible tells us there's an escape from that anxiety, that care, that feeling of care and and fear that grips us oftentimes, that spirit of worry that seems to oftentimes permeate our lives. Be careful for nothing. Okay, that sounds good, doesn't it? Well, tell me how to do that. Aren't you glad God tells us how to do it? Not only does he reprove us, but he corrects us. And he instructs us in righteousness. Well, here's the instruction. But in everything, (laughs) we're getting a common theme tonight, aren't we? We're to be thankful for everything, right? In everything, by prayer and supplication with, what's the next word, church? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. When I come to God in prayer, when I bring my burdens and afflictions to God, it shouldn't be a gripe session. It shouldn't be a complaint session. It should be a gratitude expression time. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When we talk to the Lord, we need to tell him how grateful we are for what he's done for us. We need to remember how faithful he has been to us. By the way, that'll help us with the next challenge, right? We have a tendency in the midst of a challenge or a difficulty, we have a tendency to forget what God has done for us because all we can see at the moment is what is immediately in front of us. The disciples, when when the people came to them and they said, Lord, (laughs) you know, uh, send these people away. We're not ready to feed them. And, uh, and the Lord gave them the, the, the uh, parable of the leaven of the Pharisees, and, 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 and they thought he was reproving them uh, for not uh, bringing bread to feed the people. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, fellas. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten about the 5,000? We just had a few loaves and a few fishes, five loaves and a few fishes, and, and we fed the multitudes. Have, have you forgotten that? And we, we can read that and think, man, those disciples were pretty, I mean, they, they didn't get it, did they? But neither do we. Neither do we. And in our trouble and in our affliction, here's what happens to us. We get filled with anxiety. But when we bring our request to God, God gives us peace. So gratitude, here's the third one, gratitude produces the peace of God. The Bible speaks of the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds. Do you know how that peace comes to us? Well, it comes to us because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It comes to us because we have the promise of the Scripture, but it comes to us as we enter into our prayer 
closet and we speak to God. And we realize who we're speaking to. The God of the universe. Now, what have we learned about him tonight? He's our maker. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He's our redeemer. He loves us and he paid the ultimate price for us. He who spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Your heavenly father knows what you have need of. He's a good God. His mercy, his everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. We need to remind ourselves of that. And when we enter into prayer with our God and we bring our troubles to him, we need to learn to express our gratitude for him and allow him to speak peace to the troubled soul. He can calm the winds and waves. He can remove the anxiety because he's a good God. So we're learning some things about gratitude. Number one, it expresses faith in God. Number two, it fulfills the will of God. Number three, it produces the peace of God. Here's the fourth one. And we're dealing with here ingratitude. And so go with me to Romans chapter 1. When we are not thankful, what happens? What happens? Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Paul is writing here and he's really summarizing for us all of human history. He's speaking specifically of Gentile history. He's speaking of those who lived before him, those who lived during his life, and those who live today. Romans 1 and verse 21, because that when they knew God, there was a knowledge of God. Every man has two witnesses that testify of the reality of God. Number one is the witness of conscience. It's the voice within. Number two is the witness of creation. It's the evidence without. God is programmed, he's hardwired every one of us with a conscience that tells us there's a difference between right and wrong. And we need to hear the voice of our conscience and we need to heed it. But the Bible says you can go to a place where you have turned off the conscience, where you have learned to, to violate your conscience so long that you can sear it. You can sear it. But God gave us a conscience because... He gave us a sense, we're made in his image. He gave us a sense and understanding of right and wrong. And the fact that that is there within us testifies that God is real. Then we walk outside and we look at the beauty of his creation, the complexity of it, the anatomy of the human body, how cells repair themselves and how healing takes place in the human body. We, we see the order of space and the bodies, the celestial bodies. We, we, we see life as it takes place in the animal kingdom and, and, and the plants. And, and we see all of the order that God has designed. It's a witness that there's a God out there. 
And every man has that witness twofold. And the Bible tells us that there was a time when the Gentile world knew God and when they knew God, the knowledge of God in them, the knowledge of God without them, they glorified him not as God. They made a conscious decision to sin against the knowledge they had received, the revelation that they had received. Neither were thankful. They weren't thankful. They weren't thankful for the life that God had given them. They weren't thankful that he'd given them the capacity to think, the capacity to communicate, the capacity to love. They weren't thankful for that. And they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You see, here we have the sin of ingratitude. And that's the fourth thing I want you to write down. Ingratitude is a sin against God. When you and I are not thankful, we're sinning against God. Let me put it this way. When we're murmuring and complaining, and we all are guilty of that and often do it, we're sinning against God. We're sinning against God. We have something to confess tonight, don't we? Now, ingratitude is a sin which manifests itself in two ways. First of all, look at verse 23 of Romans chapter 1. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They started worshiping men. They started worshiping animals. They, they made creations and carvings and formed things of gold and of brass, and they chose to worship those things as God. Now, there aren't many people in our nation that bow down to golden images, but they bow down to gold and wealth and material goods. They bow to their sin and their craving. They bow to self. They're ruled by their own passions. They have made idols. You see, when we are full of ingratitude, we begin to worship things and we reject the worship of God, idolatry. The second sin that comes to us as a result of ingratitude is immorality. Immorality. Look in Romans 1 and verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. So we find that God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. In verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... They said, we don't want to hear anything about the Bible and morality and truth and righteousness. We want to do what we want to do, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is one that cannot be reasoned with. I want you to know that there are reprobate minds all across our land. 
many of them in positions of power and influence in our nation. Reprobate minds. Many of them who become indignant with the thought that a woman could not have her baby murdered in her own womb. Who call that a reproductive right to put someone to death. That's a reprobate mind. Someone who claims that they can enter into a marital relationship with anybody they choose regardless of the sex of that person. A world that is in gender confusion. This is what happens when we reject God and his truth. When we are no longer grateful for him. We are given over to reprobate minds. To do those things which are not convenient, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. By the way, it's not just limited to one particular sexual sin. It's all sexual sin. Our young people are growing up in a culture that promotes promiscuity. Where social media rewards those who have forgotten any concept of modesty. This is the world that they live in. This is the world that our children are living in. You take your children to the doctor, your infant child to the doctor, and they want to give your infant child a shot to prevent sexually transmitted diseases. All instruction concerning morality is given up. We've resorted to putting chemicals in our children's bodies to prevent sexually transmitted diseases. We've decided as a culture that that's the way to go, not that we're to teach our children to save themselves from marriage and to give themselves to their mate. And we say that we're doing all of this in the name of love, by the way, but we're not, if we truly love them, we are not, we are not showing love to them. If we truly love them, we will tell them the truth. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Oh, we live in an unmerciful generation. Cancel culture. If you don't get in lockstep with the lies of this age, you dare defy them, you will be canceled. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, there's no shame to their sin. There's no repentance. There's no concern about judgment. They take pleasure in their sin. They shake their fists in the face of God. You say, that could never happen to me. Well, it begins with ingratitude. Ingratitude produces idolatry, and it produces immorality. 
So Psalm 100 gives us the prescription. Be thankful unto him. He is God. That means he has the right. As our maker and our redeemer, he has the right to tell us how to live our lives. And we should be willingly serving him. And he is good. He's a good master and a good savior. So let's be thankful. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.